Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Krauss, Licensed Professional Counselor. As you may have noticed, the music is different today. That is because this is the second episode in a series about music specifically. The first episode was my interview with musician Kelly Stoltz, see episode 17. In today's episode, I'm going to tell the story about how my grandfather, who was an amateur pianist, shared his gift for playing to bring the joy of music to people throughout his entire life, from the people in his community and his friends and family, to later in life where he literally brought joy to millions of people through the internet, which was not a planned thing. My grandfather played piano daily from when he was a young boy into his 95th year of life, and this episode will also feature some home recordings. I will be interviewing my father about his experience growing up in a home filled with music. My father and I will also discuss the research on how playing the piano has been found to positively influence brain development and also brain plasticity throughout the lifespan. Also regarding psychology, we will discuss how having a positive outlook and attitude in life can influence your overall health and well-being. I also interview my brother in this episode about our grandfather's influence on his life and how he and myself are working to carry the torch of creating and playing music as part of our family heritage going forward. I hope you enjoy. So I wanted to start out the podcast interview with my dad, John Krause, kind of talking about the beginning of a strange phenomenon that happened in our family a few years ago uh, about my grandpa going viral. I guess that's the best way you can summarize it, which was a very strange thing indeed and quite a surprise for us. But it all started with my dad, John, starting a YouTube channel. Um... Can you tell us about that, Dad? Yes. Good morning, Paul. I started filming your grandpa when um, he had more time in 2010 um, after uh, his wife passed away, uh, your grandma. And uh, I started putting videos on in uh, seven, ten, a dozen of them at a time onto uh, a channel. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I just wanted him up there to uh, share him with family and anyone who would listen. And um, I, uh, I wanted his nieces and nephews and his sisters and everybody and you and your brother to uh, just enjoy him. And because uh, he was still playing piano really well. And that's when he was about 88 years old. Right. And I remember right. that because you posted one video that said something about him 
playing the keys, the ivories at age 88. Right, exactly. And um, so I said, come on, Dad, uh, let's let's record a few more. And we just kept going, and I kept track, and I kept recording different songs. And we ended up... uh, after about six years of that, um, we had over 320 different songs. And um, and then I, for some reason, I didn't post any new songs. He said, uh, well, there aren't any more songs I want to do. So I didn't do anything with the channel. And um, some people who have been following it were, um, uh, they were kind of upset. They thought maybe he had passed away. And then all of a sudden... Um, one of his videos was um, spread by somebody that had a following, this guy on Reddit, and all these Reddit people saw Wally playing it. Um, it um, What's the name of the song? Oh, um, the song is It's Might As Well Be Spring. <laughs> Might As Well Be Spring. And it's him and his <laughs> Might dog. Might As Well Be Spring with him and his dog and, and it playing uh, on his piano at home. And um, so that... Uh, video was exciting to a lot of people that had seen him uh, previously and so they got it people on reddit said oh wally's still alive it's so great to hear so um that's when the excitement started um so that video went viral and then i put another one up Uh, i put a new one up and then that one went viral too and it was um quite notable to people on the internet and the next thing i know a local tv station called me up and said uh, John, uh, can we interview you? Um, oh, I'm sorry, can we, uh, can we interview your dad? And I said, sure. So they made a, a, a nice little um, interview that they put on the uh, news one night. And um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember uh, that whole phenomenon because you were unsure what was going on when you called me. I was out of the country, actually, and you called and said, people from Europe and people from New York and L.A. are calling my phone and my emailing me about wanting to do something with your right. grandpa's piano music. And I said, what are you right. talking about? Well, And I remember I called, that. Right. Well, I called you because uh, I don't understand the Internet and all these things, and I, I was just throwing uh, songs up on the, the channel and uh, without any uh, pattern or... Uh, purpose other than to share uh your grandpa because uh, i wanted to share him and um so yeah I, I was working at somebody's house and i got a call on my cell phone from new york city somebody uh, this is before i knew what you know what had gone viral and um they said you know we'd like to talk to you about um basically taking over the channel because they thought they could make money out and i and that's why i called you because i thought well how why is this happening and then i got another call from los angeles they said uh same thing. And then uh, another call. Um, then they said, uh, we'd like to uh, do a phone interview with, with your with your dad. I didn't even know how they got my cell number. So it was yeah, it was crazy. very strange. I, and so then I remember saying, well, what in the world are you talking about? So I went on to the internet and went on to YouTube, and one of his videos had somewhere around 500,000 views. And, and I watched it, and it was just him playing piano like all the other videos you'd put up there because, well, mostly it was for our family. There were a few people that had found it, um, probably less than a hundred, uh, I would say, and, and that loved, they were pe- they were piano fans, and, and so they would kind of watch it and send some comments once in a while. So that was a very strange thing, and 
it, it made the front page of Reddit, and uh, I believe that one of the videos had 624,000 views, and then you put up a next video and said, well, he's not he's not gone. He's still alive, and I right. think he was 93 at the time. Right. And he said, oh, sure, I'll play a song. So he put on his fedora, and he played a song, and then they even loved that one because he was older, and he played his, you know, some show tune, and that one got 625,000 views. And then a bunch of people subscribed to the channel and uh, were started watching older right. piano videos, and there was a demand for more. Uh, they wanted you to record more videos, and <laughs> then they you thought, well, why don't I get some of my friends who are jazz musicians in the area here to also record some? And you would put one of your friends who plays ragtime and jazz up there just for fun to show some of your friends. And... Uh, at current standing, the channel has 2,049,402 views and 12, 000, over 12,000 subscribers, which I think you had more for a while when Reddit was really pushing it. But um, I think some people were just kind of into the viral phenomenon. Um, right. And then the piano channel is Happy Piano 1. And if you Google that, you really won't find it because you'll find everything about how to play Pharrell's song Happy. But if you Google Wally Krause, you will be able to find the channel and subscribe. So that was an interesting thing, how you just started wanting to share the old piano music uh, that your dad had played. And we're not publicizing it or advertising it or doing anything besides sending a few emails to people that or family members that uh, missed him and he couldn't travel very much, and so... Um, Absolutely, and of course the... <clears throat> excuse me, the main the main purpose, uh, especially since I didn't really know what I was doing other than um, just handling, handling a digital camera uh, and uploading it, I, I just wanted to share your grandpa because um, I was just... I, I just thought it was time that more people would um, be able to enjoy him and his personality would come through his music and I thought he was a, uh, such a unique uh, person that he was still playing incredibly well for his age and um, of course he played great when he was younger but um, here he was uh, 88, 90, 93 years old and still playing great and uh, entertaining and we, um, we had him playing at senior care places and uh, restaurants around here too so um, that's why I did it. Yeah, and I remember he would always tell me and whoever else he could tell, you have to practice one hour a day, every day. He would always say that. Um, so I'm glad you were able to share that, and now more people have been able to listen to his music um, playing the old style. kind of wanted to shift the conversation a little bit into the past so people have some context for why his piano playing was special and why it was sort of a phenomenon and I know that um, maybe you could tell a little bit about how music was in your house and in your community growing up where you grew up well I grew up uh, having to be involved in music just because uh my dad was organist and choir director at a big church, and 
he had been an organist and choir director, as a matter of fact, um, from the time he got out of the Navy. He started doing it regularly in 1946. And so I always had to be in his uh, junior choir, and then uh, when I was in high school, senior choir, and we had a terrific uh, men's octet when I was uh, in high school. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So um, Wally was, uh, he had a real gift um, for being a music leader. And so he used to direct the choirs from the organ bench while he was playing organ, or he would uh, direct with his head as he played with, uh, played the organ with, with both hands. And, um, and people loved him because he was so uh, fun and had such a uh, outgoing personality and people just enjoyed being around so the uh, church choir I mean that, that was a time for people to have fun um, and so of course the choir would come over to our house and um, Wally had several social circles of people that really enjoyed being around him because he was always so lively enthusiastic and fun and he loved to joke around and to him music was life and it was exciting if he could help other people enjoy music. The neighbors, he had the golf group, he had the church group, uh, he had people from work. He worked for a steel service center as a um, treasurer and uh, credit manager. And so Wally just enjoyed life, and people loved to be around him. And, and then, of course, uh, the family. I don't want to forget family. We had uh, terrific uh, family parties and, you know, Christmas parties and everybody would gather around the piano. And so this was just normal, basic thing for me. I just I didn't think it was anything unusual. I didn't, uh, I mean, I knew, I knew Wally was great and my dad was a great piano player and organist, but I, I was just so used to it. I, um, I didn't say, gee, dad, uh, you should record yourself. And he never said, uh, hey, I need to be recorded. Never when he was younger. So finally, when he was 88 years old, I said, I got to do some more recording. Now, I did record some audio of him when he was in his 70s. So um, we made those into CDs. And those are on the channel as well, by the way. Um, we had them carefully edited into uh, little segments, little songs. And so fortunately, we have, we have your grandpa playing um, when he was in his 70s, not just uh, not just later when he was in his 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And so some of what, uh, yeah, and also I'll put those links in the show notes as well as we are creating a band camp where you can download his uh, audio recordings that you recorded when he was in his 70s, Christmas songs, uh, a bunch of classic jazz and show tunes and pop songs from a long time ago. Um and so, yeah, I wanted to just talk a little bit more about that before we get into the biography and why music was important. But growing up, you lived in the suburbs of Chicago, and basically what you kind of summarized there was that your dad, my grandpa, was very socially involved. And, and that's what is interesting, because he doesn't fit the stereotype of this kind of church choir director guy. <laughs> That's why when you said that, I was no. like, well, people are going to start thinking no. he's just another old choir director. He was very, he he liked to party. Let's just put it that way. Um, he worked at a, a very successful steel company in Chicago and traveled all over the 
world really flying around doing business things but he had he had started getting his getting his lust for travel i think during the navy and when he was in the navy um luck he was in officer school in northwestern and then he went off uh into the pacific theater because he was he was born in germany and so they did not want him anywhere near europe um he spoke fluent german and uh, he started playing at parties and got involved in the navy, sort of some sort of unofficial band on the on the ship. Is that well, what happened? Um, yes. Uh, well, I could just start when, when he was young. Um, his father, your your great grandfather, then this a very poor immigrant family, and this was this was about 1932. Um, my my grandpa Martin took him to a parochial school teacher that that they knew and uh, said, which of my sons here uh, should be uh, playing the piano, should take piano lessons. And um, that's how it all started. And the guy said, well, your younger one, Wally there. And then once uh, he started teaching, this teacher started teaching him piano and organ. He found out that he really had a gift and said, oh, your son Walter is uh, very, very gifted and I will put a piano in your home. And the man did, and he gave him free lessons. And so uh, your, your grandpa did have uh, a, a gift from God of just, uh, he really took, took this music seriously, and he could really, he could really uh, run with it. He played Bach, and here he was, 16, playing Bach in church and uh, all the good Lutheran organ music that, that people like. But then he would um, <laughs> just as easily go home and play all kinds of different music on the piano, popular music, uh, which your great-grandfather didn't really like. Uh, he wanted nothing but religious music. But um, so by the time um, y- your grandpa went to Northwestern, by the way, on a, he went on a scholarship because of a very poor family. He got a scholarship to Northwestern. Yeah, it was an immigrant family and, from Germany. Yeah, and so he was valedictorian at uh, Dundee High School. Uh, near Chicago, and uh, his two-year scholarship ran out. The Navy came to him uh, at Northwestern. They said, oh, Mr. Krauss, uh, we'd be glad to uh, give you a scholarship for your final two years, but you uh, you know, you need to join the Reserve Officer Training Corps. He said, fine. So he was being trained to be an officer, and that's how he finished school at Northwestern. So by the time he was uh, out of officer's training school, um, the Japanese had surrendered, and he uh, was uh, he was shipped out into the Pacific, uh, and uh, found his ship that he was um, to be on. And he finally got there in November of 1945, which uh, was about two months after the surrender. So uh, there were quite a few sailors out there uh, on ships, hundreds and hundreds of ships that we had out there, and. All, all these sailors just wanted to come home. I mean, the war was over. So when uh, when Wally showed up on the ship, they said, "Welcome aboard, Ensign Krauss, and we've got something for you to do." And they had found out that he was an organist uh, back home, and so they got together men that could really sing uh, off of his ship. He was on a very large ship, a heavy cruiser, USS St. Paul, and they made Wally the director. And so they actually had a piano. <laughs> um, they actually had a grand piano <laughs> on the ship, and Wally said to uh, the captain, "What? Why did you get a piano?" And the captain said, "Well, never mind. We just acquired it." So 
Um, the end of that story is that um, Wally then took these men and, and, and directed them into a very successful little choir that went around and entertained ships, and, they, and the other ships would find out that there's this great singing group, and they would have them come over and sing on their ship, and this went on and on. So uh, he was, he, he, you're getting the picture now that your, your grandpa was quite an entertainer no matter where he went. Then he got out of the Navy, came home, and he loved to play organ in church, so he did that in uh, in Dundee, Illinois, and um, as well as playing pop music. He just was to him life was just playing piano and having and, and playing organ in church. He loved both popular and the and the baroque music. Yeah, I was gonna say I noticed that he wherever he was, he basically had the same attitude whether he was. Or from my memory, going to the church to hear the Lutheran hymns or going to the clubhouse with all the seniors to play songs and have a drinking party until the wee hours of the morning, which I was brought to when I was <laughs> over 18. Um, he was just always happy to be there and excited about the music no matter what it was and excited about people getting into it and singing no matter if it was a hymn or if it was an old song from the 30s or 40s that everybody would sing or whatever, and exactly. he, he didn't mind. Uh, he didn't have any sort of chip on his shoulder about where music should be or who should be involved in it. And I remember even, you. I remember you told me in the 50s and 60s when you were growing up in the suburbs of Illinois that you're, he would have almost a couple times a month some sort of huge dinner and people just over till all hours of the night playing, singing and playing around the piano. Um, well, and by the way, I, I really enjoyed it. These, these people were all 30 years older than me, the neighbors, all, all these social circles. And I really enjoy these people. I mean, I would end up um, helping clean the house, helping prepare the meals. Uh, my mom was a, quite a cook helping to prepare all these. And then, of course, there was a choir group. So Wally became very, very... Uh, very tight with, with with so many people because he was he was kind of like a social magnet and so these parties yes and they whether they were uh, choir parties uh, or whether you know the, the choir would come over or whether they were neighborhood parties or whomever um, there was always fun to be had around the piano and I would say one more thing the amazing thing about all that is that he just kept on doing it until. Uh, he reached his middle 80s when we uh, moved him here to Williamson, Michigan, because he needed to be near family. And um, the last 10 years of his life, uh, we substituted or replaced uh, all his social uh, circles from the past with, um, with the Internet, which became this incredible thing to him. And, of course, playing in restaurants and senior care places, we did have fun sing-alongs. And there was still all the incredible enthusiasm and the happiness and the joking around. It just kept on going. And here he was in his 90s. And then the Internet, um, as we'll uh, talk about uh, in, in another segment, um, the response from the Internet, the following he had, that, that was uh, the, the most tremendous thing about the whole Internet is the, the outpouring of, and the feelings and the love that people had for this um, elderly gentleman, and they uh, they just they just took to him. They they were just so attracted to him. So I want to get into that and read some of the quotes, but I do want to say um, 
just to get people a picture, this did not stop. Like, a lot of people retire, and uh, right. they right. kind of just stop. Right. And so what I wanted to illustrate was that I believe Wally retired before I was born. Is that true? Or right around the time uh, I was born, or well, the year I was born? You were, you were four years old. Before he retired. So the early 80s, he retired. In 1986, he retired from his... Uh, his, his job as a uh, credit manager. and um, He was a vice president, actually, I think, at that point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he... So the point... Sorry, I just remember seeing his plaque of that. But what I wanted to point out was... So from the, from the early 80s, when he retired, all the way until about 94, 95, or, uh, before we moved him here, he was traveling from Minnesota or Illinois, wherever he lived at the time, to Texas, right. and playing right. all the family parties in between, playing family parties here. Right. Um, when I was visited him in Texas when I was 19, there were parties at the clubhouse right. two he or had, three times a week. He had his electric piano that he would uh, always have in the van when they went down to Texas for the winter, and you bet he had all his music with him. Um, he had piles of music, and it was music that all the people his age just absolutely loved. So um, he was the life of the party down there, and then he'd go back to Minnesota in the summer, and he was the life of the party up uh, people up there too. And this is the interesting thing that we'll talk about is he just never stopped. He right. he would play golf, right? He would walk, he would go fishing, and he would play piano pretty much every day. He never slowed down and how until about ninety. What's that? Uh, and how old was he when we, the three of us, used to go golfing when he would oh, beat, when well, he would beat you? Well, he did beat me. Um, he was ninety, he was and 90. I was thirty right. years old, um, and I was whooped by my ninety-year-old grandfather on the golf course. Oh, I think people should know this that <laughs> um, it, he was not just a uh, one-interest person um, because he 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 loved fishing all his life, and and uh, I'll have to say I spent a lot of time. With your grandpa in a in a boat, uh, or or wading in a river when I was a kid in in the in the Fox River in Carpentersville, uh, what a what a tremendous thing to do with your dad is just just fish a lot and we we just had so much fun, but fishing, reading, golf, and music those are the biggies and um, he um, it, it was just so incredible that I think he was about ninety and we were, I was playing golf with him one day and we're standing on the ninth tee. And I thought, and of course I'm keeping score because otherwise he would he would cheat. He would say, "Oh, I got a I got a four on that hole." And I say, "You did you did not." And and he would he would kind of uh, pretend that he made a mistake. So I thought, is he just trying to you know? I didn't know whether he was really cheating or not, but I, I used to keep score. So there we were on the ninth tee, and um, I thought this is terrible. He's he's beating me by two shots, and I'm trying as hard as I can. And how am I going to live this down if he beats me? Well, he can he uh, hit two great shots on the on, on the ninth hole, and I thought, okay, now this is really getting bad. Fortunately, he fell apart after that and hit a bunch of bad shots, and I ended up winning by by one stroke. But um, it, it's just incredible to have your dad out there beating you when he's ninety years old. So absolutely. So part of this, you know, this episode on music is also about the psychology of, you know, your attitude and having a positive attitude. And I think anybody that knew Wally knew that he had a very positive attitude. He right. could make right. anything and, you know, frame it positive. I mean, it right. wasn't like he didn't have emotions about well, sad things, he, but he right. 
he would uh, he would say, well, you know, he'd just say something encouraging to whoever it was. So if you well, want to and, elaborate on that. Yeah, or, or joking, but... Uh, Classic examples are when when he was interviewed. One of the when he was uh, after his videos went viral, he, he was interviewed. And he, it's on the internet, and and they asked him about something, and he said, "I'm the most optimistic guy around." <laughs> and he would say the same thing. These uh, either uh, a nurse would come over to the house, or or people who were connected uh, to his. Uh, his daily life would come over, and, and they they were supposed to interview him every six months and ask him how he's doing, and they, all these formal questions. And they would always say, uh, "Do you ever get depressed, Mister Krause?" And he immediately would say, "No, I'm the most optimistic person around." <laughs> but he wasn't kidding because he he just was. Um. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to. We're going to be playing some songs throughout the episode, as you probably heard uh, of his. But I wanted to ask you, are there any other stories that you remember um, either from, you know, maybe from when you were younger about choir or, or piano parties or anything that you wanted to say that was really interesting to you? Um, well, I, I think there's some wild stories that uh, my cousin Jane had because uh, she ended up spending a lot of time with them after I moved uh, away. Uh, and came to Michigan and got married. But, um, uh, yeah, my cousin Jane, a terrific uh, violinist and a wonderful achiever, and uh, she shared so much uh, with her Uncle Wally. But she's got some funny stories about parties. But I, I, I would say one moment that he was really proud of was uh, in 1963, I think it was, they, uh, this was before I was in his men's octet, but he took his octet, and they sang at a funeral, and this was a friend of theirs from, from church who had gotten killed in a car accident, a young man in his 30s, and it was tragic. And uh, after the uh, funeral, somebody came up to uh, your grandpa and said, uh, I just want to tell you uh, uh, that that's the, best, that's the best choir, that's the best male choir I've ever heard. And your, your grandpa was really proud of that because the guy introduced himself as a... Um, professor of uh, music at Concordia University, who just happened to be at the funeral. So he used to like to tell that story. So this was all pretty good because, you know, your grandpa did not study how to be a a choral director in in college. He was studying business at Northwestern. He got a business degree. And uh, he, he, of course, he didn't study um, Baroque uh, music uh, or pop music in, in college either. No, he's too busy doing music. So... Like I said, he had a terrific gift, and he had good instruction early so that he was able to uh, just really uh, carry on with, with enjoying, uh, enjoying music. And he summed up his life. I'll just say one more thing about that. He summed up when he was interviewed at age 93, I think. He said, uh, I see my life in terms of music. So... This is Grandpa Krauss uh, talking to you 
and wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. I'm going to make a little uh, tape for all of my uh, four beautiful grandchildren, uh, for Jesse and Paul and Ryan and Timmy, and also for their parents and Aunt Chris, uh, so that all of you can uh, uh, perhaps enjoy a little uh, Christmas music as uh, played by your old grandpa who's getting older all the time. Uh, now, we are just about uh, ready to take off tomorrow morning to uh, head for Missouri. Uh, we're getting our, uh, our RV all packed, uh, ready for our winter stay uh, in Texas. And uh, I thought perhaps I would uh, play a few Christmas carols uh, for you, and you can either sing along with them or just uh, enjoy the music. Now, uh, I, am, uh, I have a tape recorder here, and sometimes Grandpa will play a note, and it won't sound right on the tape recorder. So that's not my fault. That's that recorder. So don't blame Grandpa for any mistakes, okay? Are you all ready for this now? I'm going to just start out with some, some of our favorite uh, little carols, and then I'll get some, uh, some of the other uh, Christmas music, perhaps, that uh, you uh, have heard. Here we go. I know that you wanted to read some of the comments from the YouTube people from around the world because the interesting thing about music being the universal language is we got comments from people all over the globe on his YouTube channel. Um, and people, I remember just for example, this is a common one. You've inspired me to play the piano again. Uh, somebody who hadn't been playing for a while or you remind me of when my grandfather used to play, or my dad used right. to play. So maybe you could just read a couple right. of these for right. us. Right. Well, this is really astounding. And um, I'll say first that uh, it, I started collecting them, and um, I probably have um, about 40 pages crammed with comments. And uh, 
and I, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. But what was really fun is that I printed them out, put them in a notebook, and I would show them. I said, Dad, here's your, what your fans are saying, and, and here's comments from you know, people from other countries and so on. He was, he was just uh, overwhelmed. And I was too. But that was really fun because he knew then he was touching people all over the world. And people would write, uh, uh, this is ch- people were watching the channel now, our, our cha- Happy Piano One channel. And they'd see, uh, they'd see your grandpa on there, and they, they'd say, Mr. Krauss, I just wanted you to know that you make the world a better place. Your videos are inspiring to me. Um, you've brought joy to thousands of people on the Internet. Thank you. And they, and they just would say thank you over and over and over. Thank you, Wally, for making my day. You are one in a billion. Keep playing because it matters to me. Thank you, sir, for giving me the inspiration to play again. Wally, you're a huge inspiration. Never stop playing. That's who I want to be when I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry for my bad English. I'm from Italy. (laughs) God, this guy is awesome. Wally, you are the definition of awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, These are people that really love music, and they were so touched by him. Uh, thank you for playing. I've always wanted to play piano, and because I see people like you, that I enjoy it so much. Um, we love you so much, while Your videos make my day. Um, I used to play piano, and now I'm going back because you have inspired me. You are definitely important. Your wonderful music makes me smile. We love your music and your person. Wally, you said music is the biggest part of my life. Well, me too. And you just go on and on. Yeah. So and the word inspiration just comes up, uh, you know, just dozens of times. Well, and I, I wonder about the inspiration, but part of the theme I saw with these just loads and loads of comments were, you know, people were surprised to find somebody who is elderly continuing to play right. music and loving it. Right. Um, and it wasn't like he hadn't faced his fair share of tragedies, you know, his first wife dying when they they were quite young, and his second wife dying, and his daughter right. passing from cancer, and, right. you know, all of his siblings passing away, mostly right. before him, uh, you know. And he just kept playing anyway. He, you know, he had that positive attitude. And so I think there's a thing in psychology where people at some point, I don't really know how to define it, but they kind of sink into a, an old pattern and it's it's more coming inward and not putting output. And so, you know, he spent even the last, I don't know, seven years of his life giving output to the community, um, even if he couldn't travel very well at that point. He had to be right. driven to, right. you know, these gigs. But I remember before he... Um, you know, even in his 80s, he was playing actual gigs because his chops were that good. And then up until, you know, up until 95, right around 95, he started to decline a little bit in the last six months. Uh, but he kept trying to play every day for an hour. Um, right. But I think there's something inspiring about living your life where when you retire, you aren't just sitting on a beach somewhere disconnected from everybody, uh, but you're engaging with the community and using whatever talent you have, whether it, it might not be piano playing. It may be 
Maybe you have a talent for talking. Maybe you have a talent for teaching. Maybe you have a talent for listening. Maybe you have a talent for um, woodworking. Or maybe you uh, have a talent for helping kids. And and I think that's a, a thing that we need more of in the world is elderly people getting involved and in sharing all their knowledge and wisdom and gifts with the younger people and not having this separate uh, separate mentality all the time. Now, I get, you know, I have lots of I have acquaintances that live in 55 plus communities, and I think there's a lot of value to that because um, you want to be around people you understand and you want to have it quiet and all the kids not blasting their stereos and getting up early and all that. Um, but I also think it it's just uh, if there's a way for those, all of the people enjoying their retirement to just stay engaged somewhat in our society, I think it's just going to make us have a richer society, even if it's just a few hours a week. And so that's something I think uh, Wally inspired me to do, uh, you know, as a young person, is just not to think of my retirement as, oh, well, I guess I'm done contributing right. now. I'm just going to sit at the right. cocktail bar and um, twiddle my thumbs and watch television and news and yell about it for the next 30 years. I'm, I, I, I intend to want to stay engaged in some way with younger people, with the community, at large, and I think that's right. hopefully. I think a lot of that came through on the YouTube comments. Right. Well, <clears throat> what was really amazing, <clears throat> excuse me, was that um, from all these comments from people, um, I, I I was I was just amazed that his personality did come through so well, and people could enjoy more than just piano music. They just took to him and and they they were attracted to his enthusiasm and his positive mental attitude and um and so that 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 was really exciting to me that 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 he was a very special person and and um and it it, it he was living proof that the piano is a lifelong instrument it's not something that you just play um when you're younger and then you forget about it it, the piano, you just keep on going with it, and he was definitely a living proof of that. And um, he, people said things like, "I, I hope to be as awesome as you are when I get older, Wally. Keep being awesome." So, um, this inspirational thing was something that um, it, it just it it still overwhelms me, and um, it was so much fun to read all these comments to him because he. He just was amazed. And so I kind of wanted to move into talking about piano and the brain um, that we discussed. And I, before I get into that segment, maybe you can get prepared for that. I wanted to say for a moment, uh, it was interesting to me that you would actually put a few videos of him just telling stories verbally on the channel. And I remember you had done that for, I think, um, some of his great-grandchildren right and right. in that were in illinois and couldn't travel very often to see him and oddly enough those videos started getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of views from other people that wanted to hear wally just tell a story about a fishing trip or whatever it was um and so basically i remember that he uh people were wanting more stories from him and i think i'll play one of his stories at some point 
Walter, I didn't know you were so talented. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that talented. Oh, I've, yeah. I've just been at it long enough. <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, <clears throat> I went to a parochial, Lutheran parochial school. My, my, I had an older brother, yeah. a year older. And my dad took the two of us over to this parochial school teacher. And he taught fifth and sixth grade. And my dad asked him, which one of these boys should be taking piano lessons? My brother had a good sense of harmony. Oh, yeah. 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 And naturally, the, the teacher took the younger ones. He, yeah. was, oh, that's how I got started. That was in, and then uh, the teacher was the organist. And he trapped me into playing for Sunday services for the choir. When you got 300 people there, brother, you practiced. And he had a beautiful Baldwin Grand. Yeah. Not as good as this, but it, it wonder, in good tone. I was playing a $50 upright at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's what, that's what got me started. And I've been doing it since 1938. <laughs> but you got to have the talent. If you don't have the talent, you know. Well, I got, uh, you develop reaction time. Yeah. You know. In, in classical music, sometimes you have five chord changes in a single line of music. Stentkin, Stentkin, that's the name of it. Schubert, Stentkin, see that? Let's again, let's again. Almost even. He's got to practice. Leave him alone. <laughs> the, the, girls, the girls still give me the business on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we'll never forgive you for that. We got to do the dishes all the time. We're in there playing the piano. <laughs> when you see Edna, ask her about that. She'll tell you.
tough old tomcat. And we had kind of a little back shed on the, and the jigs stayed outside. He, mm -hmm. And he had his ears, had, half of them were chewed off, you know, he's always getting in fights. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and it was pretty cold. Uh, and he came inside to eat. And it was pretty cold one morning, and Dad was sitting down, and Mom had uh, just uh, set a, a bowl of oatmeal in front of him, you know, and, and and I had to let Jigs in the door, and didn't, I didn't notice he had a big fat field mouse, and you know how cats play with the, you know, yeah. and Jigs flipped that mouse up and right in Dad's oatmeal, and we. We laughed about that. I'm oh, telling my. you, it was really funny. Had he taken a bite yet? No, he was just, <laughs> just about to. You know. So she, of course, oh. dumped it out and made another batch. Oh my god! But that that Tomcat was something else. He was in uh, fights all. Well, time. that must have been about eight, not about 1930, huh? Oh yeah. When you were about eight yeah. years old? Yeah, I was very young. <laughs> I came through uh, uh, Ellis Island at the age of three, and and some one of I think Paul, uh, they, Rudy, my brothers, uh, sent him a hundred bucks or whatever it was, and, but uh, they've got the, the names: Brass, Martin, Herman Krauss, and I was at New York too, and I saw that as well. Did you? Really? I did. Yeah, because oh, yeah. Paul had seen them, and he told me where to look. For oh, Paul! Them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we went there with the Paul. Ice Paul made trip. a rubbing of it. He uh, he, yeah, took, that's he made what a I rubbing thought. of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was three years old, and then I, I'll never forget. I'm I'm in. Uh, we lived in this small town, Carpentersville, and. Uh, uh, I, up the street, my kids were playing baseball, you know, with the ball and a bat. Mm -hmm. And then they hadn't gotten to Germany yet, you know. Okay. So I wondered what they were doing, you know. And, and so I thought, well, I can throw, so I, I found a rock and I'm going to throw it over the house and went right through that big window. And I thought, oh, oh Dad's going to kill me, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, then. Uh, uh, finally, I started school, and again, I couldn't speak a word of English, and uh, and uh, we had uh, it was a Lutheran parochial school, and uh, all the they had all male teachers, and they were all bilingual. Okay. And uh, and so uh, it'd be recess time, and the kids would get up and head out there and start. You know, and then you find the dooblaps too. There's the teacher read them, and he said, "Walter, you stay here." And then he teach me what the, he taught the kids. You know. So, what were you learning when? Uh, were you just sitting there wondering what was going on during the class? I didn't. I, I had no idea what was going on. But he talked to, in German because he was bilingual. So, right. so he told me. Boy, I learned fast. I, yeah. I, it was in fourth grade when I started thinking in in English. Okay. You know, you think in a language. You know. Yeah. Uh, boy, I learned in <laughs> And were you good at tumbling in high school? Oh, yeah. We, uh, uh, gosh, Who we was the shortest guy in high school? <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my high school class, 103 kids, uh, there was only one kid shorter than I was. She was Agnes Costa, a little good girl. <laughs>
but uh, you became a tumbler, right? We, yeah, we used to hit the springboard and then uh, and then land on the mat and then roll to our feet. Okay. You know, it, it's just uh, gymnastics. Yeah, right. And uh, they they had uh, one program, uh, one I don't know what some kind of a school program. People were all there. And they, they, they had a pyramid with the, uh, the gymnasts up there on the stage, five, four, three, two, one, five, four, three, two, one. Right. And uh, then <laughs> I had to come out, and I'm supposed to go over this pyramid with the springboard. Oh, my know? gosh. And everybody was, their mouths open. I went running like crazy, and I hit the springboard, and that was the sound. Then they collapsed the pyramid. <laughs> they collapsed before you left the yeah. springboard? Yeah, as soon as I hit the springboard, they collapsed the pyramid. They're probably and scared they, of getting they, hit. Yeah, but they, they, they everybody roared. And then uh, and there was a bunch of the German bachelors that came from the same town uh, that my folks came from, Saxony, Germany. And they were working in Chicago. And this one guy, uh, Fritz something or his name, Fritz Slumbeck, he came out and he opened the, opened the door and said, Heilige, Freilige Weihnachten, you know, Merry, Merry Christmas. And he had a, a sack this big full of oranges. He dumped them on the floor and the oranges came all over. And oranges, man, we looked from year to year because we used to get a little shoebox full of walnuts and various nuts and apples and a couple of oranges. You know, oranges were just, you know. And here we had a whole bunch of them. Well, how old were you when that, when that happened? Four, o'clock, uh, four, old, four years old. When they brought the oranges over? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. I, I have a vivid memory there because that was uh, incredible, you know, really. Because something that we craved so and loved, all of a sudden we had more than we could eat, you know. We had them all, I'll tell you. We rationed them out. Yeah. Walter Krauss was born in 1922. He was born in Germany and was brought over in 1925 by his parents and his uh, sister and brother. Um, they settled near Chicago, and he began piano instruction at approximately age eight. And at age 16, he was actually good enough to substitute as a church organist and choir director at a Lutheran church in West Dundee, Illinois. Uh, he got a scholarship to Northwestern University and in 1940, he went to Northwestern, and in 1945, he graduated and with, a, with a degree in business and also as an officer in the Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps. He joined his ship in late 1945, where he directed a Navy choir that entertained uh, ships in the fleet. He uh, was a lieutenant in the Navy by the time he got out. Uh, he got married in 1948 to Marjorie Zangi, and they raised three children in Barrington, Illinois. He was a very dedicated church organist and choir director in total for, uh, 
for over 35 years. Um, and he brought much joy and fun to his family and all his friends, everybody that knew him through his lively optimism and his love for life and piano playing and singing and making music fun and important for people around him. He played his unique, happy style of piano in restaurants, senior care facilities, and of course, parties and at home with family. And even if nobody was around, Wally played piano every day because music was so important to him. Um, and he brightened the lives of people just by being a fun-loving, caring person, and his legacy can be summed up as to be kind, humorous, friendly, enthusiastic, and have happy times with family and friends, stay optimistic, and share the joy of music. And so I wanted to talk about another element of psychology in this, about uh, brain plasticity. And, uh, well, actually, who better to have on this than my dad, John, who is actually a piano tuner, has been tuning pianos since the late 70s and still works today tuning pianos in um, mid-Michigan here. And, Dad, I understand that you developed a... Um, informational sheet explaining some of the neuroscience about piano music and the brain. Can you share some of what you learned when you did your research? Right. Well, it wasn't hard to find um, things about research uh, on the brain and music because since the early 90s there have been a lot of studies um, done. So I'd like to I like to give information and be inspiring in any way I can uh, when I go in the home and uh, tune a piano for people so I, I so their kids will uh, stay in lessons. And I try to do anything to keep the parents motivated to keep their kids in lessons. That's a big part of my life and because uh, I think it's so important. But um, just a couple of quick examples here. Um, yeah, piano instruction for children is far superior to computer instruction in dramatically enhancing the abstract reasoning skills necessary for learning math, science, and spatial temporal reasoning. Uh, that was from University of California, Irvine. Um, piano playing improves memory, bolsters self-esteem, esteem, and relieves stress. Piano students build good habits, focus, perseverance, diligence. 
creativity. They develop patience, discipline, dedication, and confidence. That was from McGill University in Montreal. And uh, just a few more here. Music instruction, music instruction is necessary for brain development, enhanced coordination, concentration, and memory. University of California. Music and training enhances a brain function that dies away. Now, this is amazing. Studies show that a brain, child's brain develops to its full potential only with exposure to the necessary music-enriching experiences. If not stimulated during early childhood, certain neuron connectors die. What? And that's from, um, that's also from University of California. I'm going to have to put some of these in the show notes as well. I know you have like 25 facts, but you want to give us a few more good ones? Sure. Um, and these are, you know, this is just a few out of the hundreds that are there. The scientists and therapists agree that playing piano positively affects the biology and behavior of seniors with memory loss. Senior piano players reported a decrease in depression decrease in anxiety and decrease in loneliness and um, that's from University of Miami um, piano instruction causes both sides of the brain to work simultaneously um, and then personally um, Lansing area doctors have observed new neuron connections in the brains of two patients with brain damage and they can attribute this to the consistent piano playing and practicing by the patients and one of these people I knew um, personally and it was quite amazing because she was an accomplished pianist and teacher who uh, had a tremendously serious infection and the doctors were trying to stop it she almost died it had the effects of kind of like a stroke where you have to relearn things and um, after about a year a year after that happened the doctor was amazed how well she was doing and he attributed the fact that she went back to the piano and was playing the piano every day so a lot of exciting things going there. Um, music lessons in general, you can find the results of uh, studies on um, not just piano, but um, music enhances linguistic skills. Um, music students achieve a higher grade point average than do non-music students at the same school. They have higher SAT and ACT scores than non-musicians, um, et cetera, et cetera. And one more here that's kind of amazing to me. The world's top three nations of academic excellence have mandatory music requirements for their students. Now, this is not universities and colleges. Hungary, one of the poorest nations of the world, ranks highest in academic excellence. Every child in Hungary has a mandatory music requirement for kindergarten through ninth grade. The first four hours of every day in Hungary are set aside for music study, orchestra, and choir. In the afternoon, when students study math, language, and history, they are able to achieve high academic grades because their brain function, their brain has been formatted for orderly storage and retrieval of information. And that's from uh, Danny Riggs' early childhood music uh, article that she wrote. So, oh wow, kind of amazing. Yeah, and so I think music opens us up to something, and I. I think it also is a stress reliever, and it also triggers memories. So there's lots of things going on with music. And I think it'd be important, if you're interested in this, to continue to do your own research into this. But um, if you're not involved, I've found that piano lessons are quite affordable, and voice lessons and other music, wherever you live, I have found 
that decent lessons can be um, purchased for somewhere between $45 and $60. And if you do a, pl- a payment plan, even even cheaper, it just depends what kind of area you're living in. I'm sure this does not apply to New York City, Manhattan, but it does apply to mid-sized cities um, across the nation. And even when I was living in Chicago and Phoenix, I was able to find affordable lessons. And so even if you think, I have no time to practice, I, you know, I'm not that great of a musician, just j- get into lessons a couple times a month and you'll be amazed at what you'll learn from that or get involved in a, a local choir. Um, and I've been Im- involved in music all my life and I know that when I've been practicing and playing more, I find my mood is better, I find um, just all sorts of ideas come to me that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, Sometimes if I'm practicing piano on a Monday or Tuesday night for an hour, all of a sudden all of these ideas for my work day, my business will flood into my mind after I'm done playing music, which is so strange, but like uh, kind of original ideas. So I've I've seen this firsthand in myself. Not so strange, really. That's... uh... That's an example of it right there. Yeah, exactly. And well, which is weird because I was trying to not think about work, but and then it came back. <laughs> so, uh, but it was useful because it was a very um, unique idea that I hadn't thought of before. And after I played piano for an hour and a half, all of a sudden I thought of this idea for my business to make it more efficient. So I wanted to talk just as we we're kind of um, getting into this talk about music is that, you know, Happy Piano is still available to subscribe to, but there's some people that you've had play on that. Uh, Your friend Tim Carter, a gospel and jazz musician, Glenn Coleman, ragtime piano and jazz player, and some of some other local jazz musicians that you've got in uh, doing this. My brother Timothy putting some of his piano works on there. Mm -hmm. And myself, actually, I'm on there. I think I'm singing an old jazz song you recorded me playing Ain't Misbehave, and I think I'm on there too. Yes, Mm mm-hmm. And then I played some piano for Tim, my brother, to sing to. Yes. Um, so there's some other people on there as well, trying to keep the channel alive. But, you know, it's a volunteer thing. And we've got, I don't know, how many, 300-something videos at this point? Something like that. Uh, what, the total on the whole channel? Yeah. Well, I think the whole channel has uh, close to 500. Oh, fi- excuse me. <laughs> but that, that includes a lot of uh, Glenn Coleman uh, where we recorded him playing at parties. And so the the the, the number of uh, pieces of music, number of videos is uh, is quite massive. And um, uh, I would just say how that started was that um, after your grandpa passed away, your brother, your brother said, you know, we need to we need to continue this channel. We have all these followers and people are enjoying uh, music and we, we, we've got to do something to uh, keep the legacy of uh, Wally going. And when Tim Carter heard that idea, he said, "You bet, we got to do that." And Tim Carter is a, a good local musician, singer, and, and pianist. And so uh, you'll see Tim Carter on there. So that that's where the idea came from. That somehow we've got to keep Wally's legacy going. And um, and so we're we're trying to do that. We're we're getting musicians, um, and we're going to try uh, to just keep it going the best we can. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just kind of a fun volunteer thing. So, you know, I'd say new content is only coming on every couple months because of our, you know, busy lives and all that. But um, feel free to watch the channel and uh, let us know what you think. And I hope it brings you joy as well. Georgia, 
now for part of this episode, I'm going to be interviewing my brother, Tim Krause, about our grandfather's life and his music. And so, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi there. So, uh, I just wanted to kind of ask you some questions, maybe starting with childhood, about your memories of our grandpa, Wally, um, playing piano. Well, that uh, is really where all the memories center, you know, that and fishing. Uh, I remember him playing Maple Leaf Rag and us dancing around the room, asking him to play it over and over, or The Entertainer, uh, you know, because those Joplin songs are just, they're timeless, you know. Uh, Even today, it would would catch anybody's attention. And then, of course, uh, what is it? Uh, Would you rather be a... Would you rather be a pig? What is oh, that song Oh, Swinging called? on a Star. Swinging on a Star. Yeah, he would play that a lot, and we would sing along. Um, so, yeah, he was always, whenever we went to visit them in Minnesota, it was fishing and uh, big dinners and Grandpa on the piano half the day. And that was, <laughs> that's pretty much what I remember. Uh, you know, whether or not he was specifically beckoning us to come and, and listen to him or playing a song, especially for us, he always spent some time uh, exercising his fingers. Um, he'd always make some comment, oh, I, gotta, I gotta keep him limber, because he had gout, and so if he didn't play every day, then his fingers would hurt. Um, yeah, that's true, and that was probably, I think... I'm trying to think. I think actually you were born probably the year that they went up there to Minnesota or they first moved away from Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think that was around the time. Who's to say really? But anyway, regardless, they This started... is the nineties we're talking about. Oh, this <laughs> was the eighties. When when, right? when we were there though. Oh, yeah. Maybe the first time we were there it was the late eighties, but Yeah, we well, we had been going to Chicago, but that was a and I don't really remember much of that, but then then they had bought or built the cottage or whatever you want to call it house. I mean, it was kind of a mansion or whatever. You want. <laughs> there was a there was a full bar in the basement, and well, you got to have that. Oh yeah, if you're <laughs> yeah. So it was a log mansion. Yeah. So yeah. I think he they got rid of their house in Chicago and they had a log mansion or whatever you want to call it and an RV, and that was where they kind of lived. Uh, the RV was where they would go when it was snowing. So yeah, and so I think that was just, it was kind of a simple life, at least it seemed to us, because when Grandpa retired, he retired in around 1980, from what I understand, and then he just kept driving across the country for the next 35 years or something like that, until he was too old to keep going south for the winter and too feeble and just playing piano. So, yes, I remember we would have to go out in the morning early fishing. Uh, that was a requirement. And then mm-hmm. we would maybe go on a hike or maybe maybe go to town for something. And then and then there'd be piano in the middle of the day and uh, dinner and then more piano. Yes. And there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was much television. I think the only television might have been the Cubs games on the on the tv or something like that that's all i remember yeah i remember some sports yeah um and then of course if he was if he was practicing too long and uh and geneva needed something from him she'd wally 
call for him across the house. I always remember hearing that. Right. Yeah, that's true. And he would just, I think he would give her a time limit, usually. Did he pretend he couldn't hear her sometimes? I don't... Or he just couldn't. He was pounding away so hard. (laughs) And so then... uh, So then, yeah, I remember he would always tell us, you have to practice one hour a day, which is true, because when I actually follow that advice, I play much better, but when I don't, I don't play as well. So anyway, so that was that was kind of growing up. So then, of course, you know, later in life, when his health was not as good and he couldn't travel as much, he was living near our parents, and that is when my dad was thought, well, why don't I start recording some of this piano for the family that can't see him playing because he used to play uh, whenever he'd go somewhere, whether he'd go visit relatives in the South or in Illinois or wherever, he would have to play either his keyboard that he brought or, which was a really nice weighted keyboard um, with the speaker, or he would use somebody's piano. And, um, And so then my dad thought, why don't I just put these on YouTube, which was not the YouTube it is now. This is the YouTube of, I want to say 2010, something like that, somewhere around there. Yeah, he was... Maybe even earlier. Doing it for maybe five years. Well, And, and he was just recording them on a handheld uh, digital camera from, right. the, from the early aughts, just like a, a point-and-shoot little little rectangle that, right. had, that had video capability. This is not an iPhone. Um, and so half the videos are, are from that camera. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps the very homemade quality of the channel uh, is something that was appealing to people. And it still is. I mean, it's, it's uh, I go on and, and look every now and again, and it's, you know, daily people are listening to his music still. Yeah, and then, of course, later on... Um, after his death, you guys put piano music on there that dad had discovered on cassette tapes yeah which was even more lively i suppose you'd say than some of the stuff he was playing in his 80s and 90s it was because he had been playing yeah this was a lot of it was recorded in the he was in, when he was in his 70s yeah yeah in the, in the 1990s. early 90s so. he would he would record uh, cassettes he had a little cassette player with a microphone he would record sort of a, a, a christmas tape and tell us what was going on with him in geneva and and some family news, and then he'd play a bunch of Christmas songs and, and mail it out to relatives, and so those were the old uh, recovered, archived, vintage Grandpa Wally tapes. And also there was some tapes of my dad bringing him to uh, a piano store where he worked and having him play in the in the recital hall actually some old hits, too, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was which was uh, kind of a cool thing as well, because that way we got some of the classics instead of just the, uh, just the Christmas songs. But, so I'm going to be playing, you know, I think I've already been playing, if you've been listening, some of the songs in the background. Uh, but yeah, and also, I, you know, I don't know, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but I didn't remember to maybe say this during my interview with Dad, but you can actually go to wallykraus.bandcamp.com and you guys put... It looks like three of them up. It looks like we probably need to put a few more up, actually. Yeah. It looks like there's a few more that are really good, but the, the other ones that are not up are actually on uh, YouTube, 
on the Happy Piano Wally Krause YouTube, it looks like. Uh, it looks like we just need to put them on Bandcamp, and you can download them as MP3s. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that we have recorded of him has ended up on the YouTube channel. Everything's on YouTube for yeah. free. These, Happy Piano One. Happy Piano One, right? <laughs> Which is a funny, funny name for a YouTube channel. Well, yeah, that's Dad. Uh, I don't know what you, you know, what what a uh, a jazz historian or or, or or a music teacher at a school would call his style of playing, but he had sort of an elaborated, um, lively interpretation of everything that he played and and dad just kind of thought well it's 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 his happy sound it's his happy affectation it's a very and and i think that's probably why it appealed to the masses it was quite a simple explanation it was happy piano music that's all you had to know it actually reminded me of vaudeville and i remember grandpa talking about going to the theater when he was a boy in the 30s in the 1930s and some of the films were silent uh apparently with music accompaniment and then also he was talking about the talkies, which had some music. And then he was telling me another time that he was involved in some sort of group. I wish I could remember. I might be able to find that story somewhere. But there was a group of kids in um, Carpentersville, Illinois, and, and some sort of music troupe, a, a loose music troupe. Do you remember this? No, I have no memory. Oh, okay. It was like a choir slash band, and they would like go to some barn, and everybody would play. It was kind of like whoever could play would play, and then everybody else would dance. Hmm. This isn't like when he was seven, eight, nine, ten, and his oh, older okay. brothers brought him to it. And uh, I remember, I remember this story because I saw a picture where my dad found it of him and his older brother Rudy at uh, this like some sort of official photograph from this barn shindig or whatever. Hootenanny. Yeah, something like that. And uh, he was telling me about it, um, about playing the music. So it seemed like whenever he... Dad and I talked about this. Wherever he went, there was music. The Navy, there was music.
Well, yeah, there's that story. I, I don't know if you and Dad talked about it, but he, after uh, VJ Day, um, he was stationed in the in the harbor of Shanghai on a, a cruiser, and you know they they still had a whole fleet in the harbor, and there wasn't much to do, and so he had he talked to some of his superiors, and he said, well, I you know uh, I. I run a choir at church. I can get a bunch of the guys together, get them singing. I play piano. And so he had a choir and they toured the boats uh, in the fleet in, in the harbor of Shanghai after the war. And he, I just famously remember there was one night that he said he was playing piano by himself on one of the ships. They were all drinking. He was rather a few sheets to the wind and some famous admiral came up <laughs> And found them all drunk with him playing the piano. I don't remember the admiral's name, but he's he, you would actually. Rem- Dad did remember the admiral's name and looked him up, and he's like a famous at. Ad- I can't yeah, remember yeah. what but his he, name he was. But he sort of patted Grandpa on the back and said, "Good job, good show, son," or something, and and went on. And I think that spooked Grandpa a little bit. That well, the admiral, yeah, in a good an, way. If an but, admiral finds you drunk and, and lets you get away with it, that's that's a big deal, right? I, think, I don't think especially the back police, in the forties. I think music can. I think music can really let, get you uh, help you get away with a lot in life. <laughs> so if you're listening and you're wondering how to charm people and get away with stuff, I think music might be one way to do so. Um, and that actually makes me laugh because I think about. I had this stack of photographs that I don't think it have any family significance at all of him and his second wife uh going around to like resorts in Hawaii and I'm thinking like of course he jumped on the piano in the hotel oh, lobby yeah, yeah, yeah. and made friends and probably got his drinks paid for and uh you know it's just kind of funny to me how you know you don't have to I talked about this a little bit the music is the universal language you don't really have to explain much if you if you go to a karaoke if we fly to Japan and go to singing a karaoke, we can have a great time with people that don't even speak our language, mm-hmm. singing some whatever songs we sing. And just like that, Grandpa could go around and play these songs. And even if people didn't know what they were, they liked it. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I feel like you were talking about his style. I almost feel like it's, like it's like a fun vaudevillian type of style, almost like theatrical. He would add all these extra vamps mm-hmm. and things in to the point where I was actually trying to learn one of the songs that I'm going to play... Uh, it's called What Are You Doing With the Rest of Your Life? And it's from this old movie that I can't remember the name of right now. And he played it with such vamping and like interesting style, like his own style, that it almost didn't sound like the like I would call it the the fake book version. Like I'm playing the fake book version, which is just like here's some chords kind of vamping and then the melody is the vocal. He played it so intricately, it was almost like a classical piece. And I think I, I have a copy of that. I'm gonna try to put it in this podcast.
Well, and I do remember uh, some of the last recordings that we have of him playing. Uh, sometimes he would just play a song for 30 seconds with a 30-second vamping intro and a 30-second or 60-second vamping outro. So there was more. <laughs> some of his final performances that we have recorded are, you know, almost two minutes of vamping and then 30 seconds of the actual song. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's still enjoyable to listen to. You'd only know that if you try to look at the title of the song and you know the chords and the melody. Right. So that was when he was like 94. Yeah. Before he turned 95, he was still playing um, shows, I suppose you'd call them. And he had gone from playing restaurants for fun in his retirement Getting to... Paid. What's that? They, they paid gigs. Oh, yeah. His, no, he always told me how much he yeah. got paid per gig. He was always very <laughs> proud of that and would tell me, I made $100 just playing at brunch or whatever, or $200. Anyway, so, and then um, he also played in nursing homes that my dad set up, and they paid actually quite well. Didn't know that. Yeah, they did. They pay. Nursing homes pay. For all you musicians out there who know how to play covers, it's a good place to make money on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. Um, so yeah, he played there and it was just interesting because even right at the end when he was almost 95, he passed away a little after 95 years old. Um, you know, he was playing for old folks who just, you know, it brought them back. I think it's like part of that memory. When you hear a song, you can remember, I, I, at least for me, sometimes if I hear an old song I haven't heard in a while, like an old song meaning from my youth or something, it'll bring me back to a picture in my mind of when I heard that song. So it makes me think that there, you know, there's something to musical memory. So I wonder when, when uh, a lot of the old folks really responded well, even the nonverbal ones, to um, when he would play some of these really old songs. And uh, anyway, what I wanted to know, what else were you thinking maybe about Wally or just the topic of music in general and how it leads... Uh, you know, can help people in their lives. I mean, I feel like it's pretty self-evident with everything we've said already, just that he, you know, was quite lucid uh, up until the end of his life. Um, I'm sure his uh, frequent playing of music had something to do with it. They say the, uh, what is it, the... uh, bilateral stimulation of uh, hands doing two different rhythms when you're playing the piano is something that really helps to keep the brain in shape um, and then of course uh, you know you were talking about about uh, people in old folks homes uh, responding to music from their childhood uh, I remember hearing a story in the news about how some people who hadn't talked for years were suddenly able to to talk again after you know, hearing music that they had. Uh, anyways. I'm sure I, that happens. Yeah. Anecdotal, who knows how often, but, you know. Uh, the point is, music good, not music not good. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's, there's even a quote from, I think it was uh, Plato, you know, music is a universal law, like music is magic. Uh, I don't think Plato said that exactly, but he did say you know, music is a universal law. Um it's uh yeah i it's 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 a you, if you if you study it all throughout history i mean the amount of 
music gaining complexity throughout history with the uh, ever uh, more complex mathematics that we had. Uh, you know, the only uh, chords that were considered consonant, you know, 2,000 years ago was supposedly an octave and a, I think a fourth. And then slowly through the centuries, that people accepted more intervals. Um, but so the music that we listen to today would sound uh, like insane garbage to, to Greek people. Uh, right. How can you make what? It, or, or demonic even. You can't uh, play you know. this on a lyre. Yeah. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's very interesting how you, you, know, you trace the history of, of its interaction with various eras of superstition. And, uh, you know, there's the, the trichord, what is that? It was literally called like the Devil's Interval during the Dark Ages. It'd be, it was for, it was, there's a forbidden chord. A lot of things went wrong in the Dark Ages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just it's just. I guess what I'm trying to say is is humanity's. Uh, well, we uh, could go to the 50s, and uh, Elvis Presley was considered like the thing that was going to ruin America because yeah. he was shaking his hound dog legs all over the stage. Anyway, yeah, so I mean, there's always been this interesting thing where I think music is sort of a progressive element that doesn't need to be talk, um, it doesn't need any introduction. No intellectualization. Well, it brings, yeah. I think, hopefully, it, you can intellectualize music. No, but I'm, I'm just saying sure, people get it, people get it immediately. Yeah, you get it, like you yeah. feel it. And I think the most, you know, I think that's why people like, Wally songs because he was just playing stuff. He was interpreting it. He wasn't playing his own songs. He was just playing famous songs from when he grew up and mm -hmm. he was doing it in his own way. And um, music in general, I think the songs that really grip people are something where, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just this sort of unexplainable element to the song. Like we could probably deconstruct the song and get all the chords and write all the rhythms out, you know, as people do to, you know, arrange it in some way. But um, there's always this interesting thing with, with, with uh, songs that just grip people and stay with you, you know, and, and you can remember, at least I can remember, different lyrics and different melodies from different times. So um, I think it's an important part of our shared humanity to uh, be a part of music you know, musical community, not that you have to play music, but just having it be a part of the arts in our community, so. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice pun. Um, okay. Not intentional. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I just want to see if there's anything else. Do you remember any other, do you remember any stories, uh, any other stories about Wally from your childhood that reminded you? I mean, why did you, you know... What inspired you? To, did he inspire you to play piano? Or I don't remember ever consciously making the decision for that reason. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think part of it was that we grew up having a piano in our house. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it certainly cannot hurt to watch one's grandfather play amazing music uh, as you're growing up. Um, so I, you know, I, I have to imagine that was part of the uh, inspiration, even if it uh, wasn't conscious. Yeah, excellent. I think same here. Um, I don't really know why I started playing, other than there was a piano in my house and I was told to take lessons. So, um, and then it went from there. So, 
Yeah, anything else you want to share about Wally before we move on? I think we covered it. So, well, thanks, Tim, for coming on the podcast. And for listeners out there, I will include in the show notes Tim's music that he's working on uh, is found on Bandcamp and YouTube. Bandcamp is T-T-T-T. Y-P-E-S, so types with four T's, because there's T's. multiple types of music, .bandcamp.com, and then uh, YouTube, I believe you just type two T's, is that correct? <laughs> the, <laughs> this is really complicated. The, well, yeah, I want it to be searchable, okay? I'm just going to admit that right up front. You type the word types in with one T, you're not going to find anything that you want to find. Uh, so... 4Ts is the the, the user uh, site on YouTube, has four as well. But two or four, you will find either one. So, yes, uh, the misspelling of the word helps you find it in a world full of music. So uh, I know the internet. that uh, I will preview a future episode that's going to happen sometime in uh, the next 12 months. Um will be stories it's going to be stories about songs we wrote for an album um that we will preview soon and it's an album kind of about our childhood loosely with a bunch of other strange stories mixed in um and that'll be i think pretty interesting and there will be lots of specific stories instead of reflections and uh, we'll also play a lot of songs on that so i'm excited for listeners to hear that and uh, as I said, I'm doing this is one of the series on music. And yeah, I guess that's all I've got to say. In this season of Giving, we bring you a story about a Williamston man whose passion for the piano is touching hundreds of thousands around the world. Tonight, News Sense Ann Emmerich shares a story about his gift that keeps on giving. When Wally Krauss gets behind his piano, something special happens. The piano is in my living room, and every, every day I spend an hour at it. I just do that. It uh, makes me feel good, keeps me limber. <laughs> For 82 of his 93 years, Wally's touch of the keyboard has made a lot of other people feel good, too. It's a big part of my life is music, put it that way. As a teenager, Wally directed choirs and went on to do the same in the Navy. In fact, there hasn't been a time in his life without the piano. On this day, Wally's tickling the ivories for a small group at an assisted living home. He has a very happy style. I call it a happy style. and um, So I just grew up enjoying that. And so now, um, it's amazing that here we are so many years later, um, you know, I'm in my 60s now, and I still get to enjoy him playing. About five years ago, Wally's son John had an idea. Why not use technology to share Dad's music? A way to let family and friends near and far enjoy it, too. So he started a YouTube channel, calling it Happy Piano One. I'm as amazed as he is about it, that um, he's got fans, and they, uh, they just feel his his joy and his little happy style.
comes and touches their hearts and they write these beautiful comments. Comments from people around the world. More than 14,000 subscribe to Wally's channel. His 300 plus videos have amassed some 1.7 million views. Did you ever think you'd be playing in, in front of that big of an audience? No, I, I absolutely, it's, I just can't believe it, you know. I'm amazed at that, I really am, but uh, it's very, it's heartening to me, you know, because it kind of uh, makes me feel better, so. <laughs> people, people were worried about you because hadn't, you hadn't posted in a while. Well, yeah, yeah, and I, I had a spill, you know, and that's bad when you get to be my age. Now recovered, Wally's back, sharing even more songs for his audience, a music man with a gift, and some advice for those behind him. If you enjoy music, and for goodness sakes, follow it. In Williamston, Ann Emmerich, News 10. If you'd like to listen to more of his music, we have a link to his page on our website, WILX.com. that you enjoyed today's episode. As we discussed, I will have links in the show notes about where to find my grandfather's YouTube channel where you can still watch him playing hundreds of songs. I will also feature some links for my brother and my own music as we are working on releasing a collaborative project in this next year, and we also have played a lot of music for both a part-time job and also for fun. Also included will be some notes on brain plasticity in the piano, as promised. As the Intentional Clinician is a podcast about counseling and psychology and philosophy, I do want to make an announcement. If you are suffering during this time in your life, please do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor. Please look into their credentials and make sure that they are trauma-informed and are up-to-date on their education. If you are having much more difficulties, you may need to see a doctor or seek additional help or support groups. Help is out there, and change is possible. Another announcement I wanted to make is that I have my first sponsor for the podcast, which is Simple Practice. SimplePractice.com is an electronic health record system 
for counselors and social workers and other psychotherapists, and it works fantastic. Since moving over there, I've really enjoyed their services, and they also now have billing services included for if you take insurance. So I found them quite easy to use and simple. I also have a link if you want to try it out. You can click my link and try it for 30 days for free and see if you like it. And if you like it, uh, you can subscribe. I found that it saved me a lot of time. So that link will also be in the show notes. If you are looking for a counselor and you live in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, I am the clinical director of Health for Life Grand Rapids, which you can find at www.healthforlifegr.com. And we have many awesome trauma-informed clinicians who do a range of therapies like EMDR, somatic experiencing technique, and more. Find out more at www.healthforlifegr.com. Thanks again for listening, and feel free to share this with your family and friends. And I hope that whatever you're doing, that you have a good rest of your day.